This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. Revving up the weekends with news and views on all things motoring. Yes, that's right. You are listening to Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. Tim Nicholson and Mike Costello here with you for the next hour. We're talking cars, we're talking motoring, we're getting very, very, very revved up for our weekends and we hope you can join us. We've got lots to talk about, including the new Toyota Camry. Don't get too excited. We've got heaps more coming up. My name is Tim Nicholson, by the way. This is a, a motoring show called Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. Um, and I am here with the lovely Mike Costello. Hi, Mike Costello. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, you know, mate, I'm enjoying a welcome dose of sunshine. It's the first time I've seen it in about four weeks. I don't really know what it is anymore. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Mm. It is absolutely stunning outside in Melbourne, which is uh, all too rare. Um, but uh, but we are enjoying it all the same. Perfect day for a drive, you might say. Perfect day to get out, you know, get out of the city. We need to work on doing that broadcast from a car. You know, I think that you know, I support that. I don't know that. how technically feasible it would be. An outside broadcast from a car yeah. is something that I am always going to favour, believe you me. Um, but how have you been? Have you had a good week? I've had a pretty okay week. See, I made the big colossal mistake of doing my first ever personal training session yesterday, oh. which if you know me, you know, isn't really me, a me kind of thing to do. <laughs> and I feel like I've been manhandled by a gorilla. <laughs> Today, but not in a good way. I can't really move or walk or really do anything beyond shuffling like a zombie <laughs> so i'm sort of regretting things i'm sure in the long run it will pay off but is it everybody's shuffling like that red foo song <laughs> or nothing my like favorite that song well you know, too well. You, you know you had that look about you that kind of <laughs> i like red foo look um no That's i'm the most horrible thing you've ever seen it is you? awful well you're much better than me because i will tell you what i did not uh go anywhere near the gymnasium this morning which is uh very very bad but i'm sure uh people will cope and they won't recoil in horror when they look at me um now, it's been a busy week. There's been a lot happening. A, a very significant launch this week that you attended, Mike. We'll be talking about later. <laughs> now, you are giggling at this launch. Yeah, well, I've made fun of this car in the past, so you I have. feel slightly conflicted. Anyway, we'll get there. We will. We are talking, of course, about the Toyota Camry. But not the Camry as you know it. No. And Toyota's made a bit of a change to the, the dear old Camry. Yep. He's hoping it'll get people to think about it differently, but we'll see. In the fullness of time. We will. We will see very, very soon. Um, uh, And we'll be talking about a few other things. We're going to, you know, we're going to be, speaking of sexy, like Camry is sexy, we're going to talk about the budget as well. It's just, it's a real... You're really exciting me, Tim. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's going to be one of those. No, but we are going to talk about some other. I think, very I think Tony things, managed to avoid you know annoying everybody quite. Uh, he didn't do quite as annoying a job of it this year as perhaps as, well, as he did last year. Exactly, mm. that's true. Do we blame him or do we blame Joe? I don't know. It's kind of a combination of the you two. You really got to blame the guy at the top, don't you? Yeah, I like to blame Matthias Corman just because I like to hear him <laughs> talk all the time. He's so good. Um, but now, starting uh, with a bit of uh, brief news for uh, for Fender Bender today. Um, a few things this week. We've heard that Toyota and Mazda are BFFs now. What's going on? It's this weird thing that's happening in the world of cars where a lot of big brands that you would think would generally be rivals to each other are actually 
teaming up and co-developing things and saying, hey, you know, we could we could use your help on something that we need that you're particularly good at and vice versa. It's a symbiotic thing. We saw it with Renault and Nissan. Mm. We've seen it with Mercedes kind of joining in and making an automotive menage a trois. <laughs> I'm quite proud of that one. And yeah. uh, now we have the two biggest brands in Australia, uh, Mazda and Toyota, in terms of sales. Um, Mazda not so big globally as Toyota, but yeah. globally they've teamed up. They've been doing this for a while. They've done a couple of projects together. In America, Toyota's little American youth brand, Scion, rebadges the Mazda 2, for instance. But yeah. they signed an agreement during the week that really said they were going to expand this partnership in a big, big way. Yeah. It really gives rise to a bunch of speculation. And typically... Shall we speculate well, wildly? Exactly, kind of have to. I mean, obviously, they weren't that forthcoming about all their plans. They're not going to you know, reveal every secret they're working on. But yeah. it gives some intriguing insights into what the two brands could do together. Yeah. The it's- one that... Yeah, the one Sorry. that really struck me is the fact that Toyota doesn't have a, a tiny little SUV. It's one of the few brands that doesn't offer one, and of course, Mazda just released its really nice CX three mini urban crossover. So you start to think, could we see a Toyota version Ooh. of that? Feasible? Well, they've got to do something along those lines, don't they? Hmm. Or what about a Mazda badge Toyota eighty six? Ooh. Well, I don't know. They got, I suppose they got the MX five. I was going to say, they? do they, they need bother? that? Mm. Even like bigger, like you know, Toyota's big in four wheel drives, like bigger four wheel drives and that kind of thing. You know, I wonder whether Mazda would bother kind of going a Mazda to Prado. That. Well, why not? Who you knows? know, they've got the next CX nines coming at some point soon, and maybe they need to go bigger than that. Mazda Kluger. Uh, it is. It is interesting though, as, as part of a wider thing that you know you're seeing this happening more and more and yeah. more. Um, a lot of people for a long time have predicted that at some point in the distant murky future there might only be five car yeah. brands because yeah. they would just subsume all the other brands and it would just be like Volkswagen, Toyota, yeah. you know, maybe Mercedes left. And, you know, the fact that more and more brands are teaming mm. up in this way, brands that would once have been sworn rivals, yeah. is, is pretty interesting. And I think it makes sense for those two as well, though. Like you hear of, you know, um, uh, I think Toyota and BMW have hooked up uh, to make potentially a, a sports Toyota's car. Toyota's really just kind of... Well, I don't know how to say it nicely, Toyota, but it's getting around. It is it? getting around, you know? but and which is interesting because they're pretty profitable. <laughs> so it's not like they need help. Maybe that's why they just outsource everything to other companies. Good but you point. know, Toyota's teaming up with BMW. It's yeah. teaming up, teaming up with Mazda. Mm. Um, you know, who next? Well, the other thing is it's interesting um, talking about this because um, old mate Sergio Marchione, who is the CEO or whatever you want to call it, or president of the Fiat Chrysler Automotive Automobiles Group or whatever it's called now. So he is he is like desperately courting people. He's out and about. He is the best Sergio. Every time, He's so you know, funny. As a as a car journo, Sergio is a gift because <laughs> generally CEOs are quite reserved. They don't, yeah. want to, they don't want to talk too much. Obviously, they don't want to reveal big secrets. Sergio doesn't give a damn. No. He just says whatever the hell he wants to say. He and gets out Quite there. often, it's hilarious and it makes fantastic copy. And you're right. He's yeah. been out there on the husting saying, Seriously? hey, guys, we've got to team up. Yeah. But it's probably because Fiat Chrysler doesn't have a lot of money at the no. moment and can't afford to make its things. And he looks at profitable companies and says, yeah. hey, you want to... Yeah. You know, but he's going to everyone. It's yeah. not like he's being he's fussy. shameless. He really is. He should talk to Toyota. Apparently, well, Toyota's sh- pretty shameless as well. This is the thing. Mm. This is the thing. So, it'll be interesting to see what comes of uh, of their hookup and we will uh, we will keep our eyes peeled. Um, other rumour, well, not rumour, this is... Uh, well, this one is a rumour, rather, is uh, BMW, speaking of, uh, reportedly working on a sexy, hot M3 version of the uh, 3 Series Touring, the wagon. 
An M3 wagon. An M3 wagon. It's an interesting point. I've never really considered it before, but uh, Mercedes does a C63 wagon, Audi does an RS4 wagon. Yep. Why the hell doesn't Why BMW have an M3 wagon? Look, and it's interesting because I, I, just yesterday I saw a 3 series. It must have been one of the kind of higher spec 3 series tourings, uh, the current generation one, near my work. And it was that stunning blue, I don't know how to describe it, it's that BMW blue. They're the only ones that do it. Mm. You see it a lot in their kind of M products. And it is just gorgeous. And I was like, God, why don't they do an M3? And then bang, this morning, obviously, the higher powers heard my thoughts. And they have decided... You have a direct line yes. from Norbert Reifhofer. <laughs> yeah. Um, look... It's yeah. a very interesting point, and there was a report this morning saying that, you know, one of those typical reports of reports of reports somebody yeah. heard from somewhere down the line yeah. that quite often do turn out to be true, mm. um, leaks happen inside car companies yeah. all the time, that they're, they're working on it, and it would make a whole lot of sense. Now, whether it's the next-gen car or the current-gen mm. car, it would probably be the next-generation car at this point, yeah. but still, you know, the hot wagon. I think the Get wagon's kind of making a bit of a comeback oh, anyway. Oh, God, yeah, and I love it uh, You know, so everyone's much. going into SUVs now that... You know, it's, it's kind of a cool niche appeal to a wagon and a, yeah. and a sports wagon even more so. Abs- uh, look, and that as the, those aforementioned ones as well as something like the Skoda Octavia RS, like, that is, <laughs> these are my favourite cars. Like, You're a bit of a Skoda guy. Uh, well, a little bit. I'm You're a definitely bit a, a target guy. too. Like, you live in, you know, the inner city and yeah. you know, you're sort of a bit of a lefty and oh, all that kind dear. of stuff. That's what Skoda wants. That's true. Yeah. That's happening. Oh, God, it's true. I'm a cliche. <laughs> um, now, other rumours, though, uh, uh, this is an interesting one. Jeep are looking to go high-end. Well, this is tying back to Sergio Marchione, who we spoke about before. He was talking to an organisation this week, and he, you know, again, in typical Sergio fashion, didn't hold back or didn't hide things. He said outright, it makes me physically ill when I see a Range Rover, <laughs> and I know that we don't do one at Jeep. Wow. You know, it makes my blood boil, I think, was the quote that he actually used, which yeah. is quite interesting and passionate. And obviously, Jeep, being one of the world's preeminent SUV brands, has yeah. decided, hey, why the hell does Range Rover have this dominance over the ultra-high-end SUV space? And we yeah. don't have any presence there. But to, to imagine a Jeep, which currently tops out at about $80,000, yeah. going into $150,000, $200,000 territory, it's a huge step. Is anyone going to pay that amount of money for a Jeep? Well, I mean, I mean, the Jeep brand is a, is a great brand. Yeah, it's a right. well-known brand. But yeah, does it have the cachet of a Range Rover or of a Mercedes or mm. an Audi, any of those companies? Obviously, Sergio thinks that they do. Yeah. It's interesting because, yeah, you get to that point. It's, you know, I guess the thing that Hyundai had where people are willing to pay a certain amount of money for, for a Hyundai, then they bring in something like the, um, I keep going to call it the Grandia, but it's the Genesis. I've got to stop <laughs> oh, doing that. I know. I've got to remember stop the, that. Hun- the Hyundai Grandia? Yeah, oh, sadly, yeah. I do. What Text in if you remember the Hyundai Grand. If you have a Hyundai Grand, <laughs> I would love to hear from you. We, we want to know if they still exist. That is 0427. Joy949 or email on air at joy.org.au. We'd love to hear from you anyway. If you've just uh, got something to say, you want to say hi, any of that kind of stuff, uh, uh, let us know. Um, uh, how are you going, basically? We just want to hear from you. Um, now, some other, going back to Mazda very briefly as well, uh, I believe the MX5 is going to be here imminently. The new MX-5, the subject of the world's longest ever promotional campaign. Mm. It seems we've been hearing about this car as coming soon for far too long for a car to have been coming soon at all. But it is going to be here in August, thankfully. It's going to be a lot cheaper than the current car. We're reckoning maybe about 35k potentially as a starting price, taking it back to its roots in 1989 when it revolutionised small convertibles as we know it. It's going to be smaller, it's going to be lighter. It's going to be all the things that you want an MX-5 to be. It's like the car in MX-5 is kind of a bit like Led Zeppelin got towards the end. A bit bloated, <laughs> was once great, getting a bit out of hand. And yep. the new MX-5 is a bit like the punk rock that came after it and just, you know, whittled it down to size once again. 
that's the kind of uh, illusion that I'm drawing. I don't know whether it's accurate or not, but I'm going to roll with it. We'll go with it. We'll and with uh, it. the ones that are destined for Australia have just rolled off the production line in Hiroshima. So they're coming here very soon. It's That's kind of exciting. exciting. It's a tangible look at the first ones that we're going to get. So, mm. yeah, exciting for all those MX-5 fans out there. And but speaking of those, like they're going to go for, they're going to go for this car regardless of what happens, let's be honest. But what about the youth? Will the youth go for it? Well, I think that's kind of Mazda's plan because the current one is way too expensive and they're just not getting the kind of, you know, penetration mm. of the market that they want. Yeah. Pardon my use. <laughs> uh, you word. said penetration. I did, I did, I did. But, you know, look, they're going to have to do better with it. And look, yeah. cars like the Toyota 86 have shown car companies that, you know, young people do want to buy sports cars. There yeah. are still people out there that are interested in cheap sports cars. Yep. So, you know, they'll be definitely trying. It's very interesting to see, and I can't wait to get behind the wheel of that thing. Mm. I'm very excited. That's right, you are listening to Joy 94.9 and the show you're listening to is Fender Bender, which um, is obviously the best motoring show that you can possibly imagine. Um, we are very happy to... I don't know what I'm going on about here. I'm here with Mike Costello. We are talking cars. We're talking lots of different things. Um, now, very briefly, Mike, as well, just on some local news, we, uh, we were talking before the show about ANCAP, the crash safety body. Um, so what are they What are they harping on about now? Well, you know, ANCAP's... Um, kind of interesting at the moment, isn't it? Because with the Australian automotive manufacturing landscape going to, you know, on a course for change in 2017 mm. when all the factories close, a lot of people are asking why is ANCAP still going to be you know, an organisation? I mean, do we need it? Mm. If every car we get is imported from somewhere else, do we need an organisation crashing and testing cars in Australia? Yeah. Um, and, and you've noticed a distinct increase in ANCAP's presence in, in acting as a kind of lobby group for various safety bodies. It's really putting itself out there in the public eye more, I guess, to kind of come up with another avenue that it can explore to justify its future. That's my take on it anyway. And, yeah. and one thing it did during the week was it once again called for the standardisation of AEB, Autonomous Emergency Braking. They've been so big on this one. That's a system that uh, increasingly cars in, in Europe especially are getting, but in Australia as well, and it used to be on only high-end vehicles, but now very affordable vehicles such as the Volkswagen Up have, have a version. It's a system that uses uh, sensors at the front of the car and it detects when you're uh, fast approaching uh, an object in front and uh, destined for a rear-end collision. If the driver doesn't brake, it automatically brakes the car and prevents anything from happening in front. And mm. it works a charm. I've tried it on a number of cars. It yep. really does the job. Yep. And obviously, you can see the benefits of this. You know, a, a thing that stops you from hitting a car in front is always going to be a good thing. Um, and, you know, the fact that it's been on cars like a Volkswagen up for $14,000, you do have to wonder why it's not standard on all cars. And yeah. you also have to wonder, what you know, is this the next you know, ABS brakes, is it the next airbag, is it the next stability control, is yeah. it the next system that becomes just de rigueur and, you know, is a given to be fitted to all vehicles? Yeah. And if so, when will that be? Mm. And this all began when ANCAP uh, co-funded and uh, co-did a study that was released during the week that found that AEB reduces collisions by 40%. Right. Rear-end collisions by 40%. Yeah. They've been a bit vague on the exact details of sample sizes and things like that, but nevertheless, it's a pretty damning study for those who would say that AEB probably shouldn't be standing yeah. yet. And, you know, um, I guess the time is probably right for car makers to start fitting into yeah. more of their vehicles, yeah. you have to say. Look, it's interesting because um, I saw an article during the week talk kind of similar... Uh, theme to this um, uh, looking at people in traffic and how everyone who's sitting in, not everyone I shouldn't say that but so many people sitting in traffic are sitting there looking at their smartphones oh, yeah. and the car moves Tinder ahead <laughs> Tinder on your way to the office 
right. I'm swiping right. Not speaking I'm too busy. For, uh, from uh, experience. Just, like just swiped right and suddenly I've hit a guy in front. Exactly. You know? I've never done thing. that, by the way. No, I? no. Never. Exactly. You, you swipe and Don't tend and drive. No. Right? Exactly. But you know what? It's it's so common. And if you look at the traffic, I, I'm on um, Punt Road every day and every night. My condolences. I Tell me about it. Wow. It's awful. But especially at night, you sit there and you look around and there's only ever one person in every car and I would say 60% of them are looking down at their thing. Mm-hmm. Now... Oh, looking down at... Do you want to... Do you want to <laughs> sorry, looking down oh. at their phone, their smartphone. <laughs> but it, it's hard. And I know we've talked about this on the show before, but it's... Um, I don't know if that behaviour is going to stop. So... It's fine to say, you know, I think we, we spoke previously about a, a top traffic cop in Victoria saying, you know, we need to put the, the phones in the boots. It's just not going to happen. No one's going to put their phone in the boot of a car. It's We need to kind of, I think we need to manage um, mm. this kind of what's happening anyway. I don't think it's going to go back and people are just not going to look at their phone when they're driving. So, we're going to have to, technology has to adapt to it. So, stuff like this, emergency uh, autonomous braking is going to stop all, you know, those kind of in traffic minor bingles. It's really interesting you bring up the phone in the boot mm. thing because during the week uh, I actually got to have my first go at Apple CarPlay. Oh yeah. And uh, of course there's an Android version as well yeah. and it's slowly trickling into Australia. It's As always things take too long to get to Australia yeah. and it's already around in Europe but it's going to be here in, within a few months. Yeah. And you, you already can get it on aftermarket systems but that's a system that basically turns your car's screen into uh, your smartphone. It's just yeah. a mirroring thing basically. And I think things like that will help okay. because rather than looking down at your lap, at your phone, you're sort of looking at the fascia. Maybe yeah. Well. But, you know, any system of automation that can stop, you know, even if it stops one accident. Yeah. You know, and there's a whole bunch of areas that'll affect insurance premiums and yeah. all sorts of things down the line. But, you know, I think for, for once, I actually do agree with ANCAP. Often I think yeah. ANCAP, you know, sometimes I'm confused by what it's trying to do. Yeah. But I think in this case, They've got you know, it right. it's making a good call. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, we'll have to have to see what happens. Um, uh, as you say, you know, anything that kind of stops those accidents is, uh, is a positive uh, for us, we suggest. Unless you're a panel beater, in which case, oh, God, yeah, I'm sorry. Bring it on. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. Now, Mike, mm-hmm. continuing the sexy theme of today, we are talking <laughs> federal budget. Isn't it funny, like, after last year's budget, where it was just chaos, oh. you know, hockey and Corman and, and, and Abbott. There was blood just, everywhere. Wow. You know, it was carnage. Everybody yeah. was up in arms, seemingly. Um, mm. This year was very subdued. Yeah. It was almost the budget of, you know, the Liberal Party saying, hey, just, you know, just yeah. forget last year happened yep. and we can just move forward. Look this. how nice we're being to people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not quite as nice as you might think if you delve no. into it, but nevertheless, certainly not as damaging perhaps as last year yeah. to a lot of people. Um, definitely uh, the, the government saying to the middle ground, you know, that it still remembers the middle people yeah. rather than the people at the extremes. That's it. Um, but in, in terms of automotive, perhaps not quite as big an impact again as last year. Well, I mean, it like- doesn't sound like it. There's, they've missed a, a big opportunity that I has, you know, a lot of bodies have been calling for the abolition of the luxury car tax, which adds quite a lot of depending on... Oh, they're not going to get rid of that. Well, no, they it's make way such too much a money cash cow. It. it is bonkers. I didn't realise how much they made out of it, and it is what, it is extreme. It's, what they need to do is change the name from luxury car tax, because yeah. the biggest uh, company hit by luxury car tax is Toyota. Toyota gets oh. hit more than any other company, because, you know, it's, it's a tax that anything, any car sold over 60... What's the threshold oh, I think now? It's, I think it's about 60... Yeah, something along those lines. It yeah. changes. It's scaled every year. But any car above that, mm. any uh, additional cost on top of that is taxed at a higher rate. So 
you know, Prados and Land Cruisers yeah. and, and these sorts of cars are crazily expensive. And so yeah. while Mercedes gets hit and BMW gets hit, Toyota actually gets hit more. And you can't say that a Land Cruiser is a luxury car. No. So they need to change a name from luxury yeah. car to something else. But nevertheless, it's a very punitive tax. Well, it's, um, it's just, it's funny. It's just punishing people for, you know, wanting to be fancy. Is there yeah. anything wrong with that? But, you know, they look at it and they say luxury car sales are still going through the yeah. roof. Why would they stop it? Well, exactly. It's not like it's slowing things down at all. But the argument is, why are they not taxing like yachts and, you know, high-end luxury goods that don't, uh, you a know... yacht tax. I yeah. like it. <laughs> well, it probably wouldn't really net a lot of money. Sales? No, that's the thing. I don't think there are. But that's, you know, the argument a lot of, of a lot of the automotive bodies that are really against this. And I would suggest some of the car makers that hate it as well. But they, they, didn't, they didn't get rid of that at all. Um, there is now a new uh, tax deductible um, thing for small businesses if you're buying any kind of asset up to about 20 I think it's up to $20,000 um, there's some tax incentives there for them so a lot of this is Tony's tradies we keep hearing about which um, I like the second word in that mm-hmm. little phrase big fan of tradies big fan of tradies yeah. Yeah. Um, so they'll they, you know they'll benefit from buying something new uh, like you know a, a, a some kind of drive-away deal for a use, which you, it's hard, well, you can hard get, to you get, can get probably. You can get like a Renault Kangaroo van or you can get an entry drive yeah. or something for 20 grand. So away you go. You can also You're get a sorted. Mahindra pickup. Yes, you can. Or what a, a ZX Grand Tiger. I've Is that what it's called? taken a Mahindra pickup off-road and those oh. things are tough. Really? Oh, yeah. Are they, they're the ones that are farm vehicles. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, yeah. Sa- they outwardly say that the company of, of like, that is an agricultural vehicle. Yeah. So, yeah. So, look, I mean, there's there's good and, well, not bad, but look, nothing happened and then a couple of positives came out of it. So, it's a bit of a weird budget automotive from an automotive perspective. Not the budget yeah. that we saw last year. Not at sure. all. But again, you know what? I think a lot of people are probably reasonably happy about that. So, uh, that is our budget, you know. our, We're the our authority. Little, exactly. The yeah. Guardian can suck it. It's way better. <laughs> <laughs> Lenore Taylor, what does she know? Anyway, we uh, we will continue this uh, outrageously saucy conversation very, very soon. Again, if you've got anything to say, if you want to say hi, if you want to ask us any questions, we're always happy to help if you are in the market for a car or if you've got any questions about um, purchasing a vehicle, we can attempt to help you out. Uh, please text in 0427JOY949 or email on air at joy.org.au. We have some knowledge that we can impart, um, but don't blame us if we stuff up. Uh, this is Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. <laughs> Excuse me. Tim's dying, everybody. I am. I just had a sip of water just before I came back to air and it went down the wrong way. Good one. I know. <clears throat> so I'm going to slowly die for a little Are you while. you all right? I'm fine. <laughs> I have it all the time. It's always more dramatic than it, uh, than it actually is. Um, now, Mark, you were just discussing in the break some controversial news about uh, some road speed limits in Victoria. Yeah, I just I was I, was, I heard this thing talked about during the week, and it, it, I went back and had a bit of a look. And uh, I don't know how I missed it the first time around, but uh, some roadworks are going to be done relatively soon on CityLink to the airport. The speed limit's going to be lowered to eighty when they're finished. It's not so much a road widening exercise, I understand. It's more just getting rid of the emergency lane instead. Oh. Uh, and as a result, they're proposing to set this speed limit to 80 up to Melrose Drive. So people, so Melbourne locals who use CityLink to get to the airport, mm. um, obviously at peak hour, that's a nightmare stretch of road, mm. but it's generally technically 100k an hour um, once you hit the Balti Bridge yeah. all the way through. And now uh, there's a proposition to maybe drop that to 80 for the majority of that run-in, which makes absolutely zero sense. Um, that's weird, you know, isn't it? 
autostradas and autobahns in Europe with speed limits twice what ours yeah. are and the roads are inferior to that road yeah. it's a world class bit of road um, there was a bit of a back down it's you know it's it's now sort of at first the, the government seemed to come out quite strongly in favour of it and it seems to have softened its right. stance so who knows what will happen but it, it does for me highlight this uh, broader issue where once again you know speed yes speed is a problem mm. yes going too fast is a problem going too uh, quick for your abilities is an issue but it's not really addressing the problem at its source is it no and to say that you you know driving 80 on a road that good mm. and that wide and that well tended is the only safe speed to go is frankly incorrect are they saying that is that their excuse that it's a well, safety kind of measure well and also ostensibly to boost traffic flow which again makes no sense because you're never going how. at no. 100 or 80 in peak no. hour um the fact is to say that we can just slow people down again and again and again and again to make things safer is far more difficult in the long run yeah. than just improving driving standards yeah because driving at 100 is not by world standards fast at all no. in fact it's one of the slowest freeway speed limits anywhere in the developed world yeah. and uh, dropping it further still is in my opinion odd to say the least it's funny because it's a very Melbourne thing as well like I know there are a few freeways that we've got that are 110 um, but there are others such as the Calder if uh, for those drivers who head north or northwest uh, of an evening um, beyond oh, I think it's beyond near the airport somewhere it's 80 for, oh, I don't know how many Ks, but until, until you get to Calder Park Raceway, yeah. it's 80 kilometres an hour for a reason that I am still unsure of. And the other part of the equation is, of course, in Victoria, is one of the only places in the world where going three kilometres an hour over the speed limit mm. gets you fined. Yeah. In mean, most places, it's 10%. And that's logical because yeah. going three Ks an hour over is not as big a deal. Yes. As, you know, it doesn't deserve a 200 dollar fine, in my opinion, which no. is uh, I received one for doing 3Ks an hour over recently. <laughs> oh, so dear. I have uh, a little bit of anger well, there. Well, maybe, but you know, <laughs> it's odd. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And, you know, having driven on roads in a number of places around the world where the speed limits are much higher and seeing mm. how there isn't carnage and the road no. toll isn't higher, yeah. it's not to say that, you know, driving stupidly fast is safe, but, you know, the, the notion that CityLink should be 80 yeah. is a little bit crazy. Kooky. A little bit cray cray. Mm-hmm. Now, Mike, earlier we were talking about tradies, one of my favourite topics, uh, and we were talking about, obviously, the, the tax deductions that are available for purchasing an asset you're, under $20,000. You're countering something a little dull with something a little exciting. Oh, look, just yeah. trying to, you know, trying to source it up a little. Now, uh, another ute that is probably not going to fit into that uh, into that little, I don't know, segment or whatever, that kind of entry-level boggo ute is, uh, is the big Hilux, which is still one of the most popular vehicles on our road. Um and there's a new one coming, I believe. There is a new one mm. coming. The current one's getting on a bit. And the current one doesn't really dominate as much as it did at one time. Mm. Cars like the Ford Ranger and the Nissan Navara are really, and the Mitsubishi Triton especially, are eating into that car's lead. Yeah. And Toyota, uh, in response, is preparing a new generation one to launch soon. It's not actually arriving on sale until the fourth quarter of this year. Mm. However, they're going to show it to us this week because it's going to make its world premiere in Thailand, which is okay. where it's built. We're going to see it locally in Australia at the same time. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it is a massive deal because it's the biggest selling commercial vehicle, the biggest selling 4x4, at times the biggest selling vehicle of any sort yeah. in Australia. And, you know, it might not seem that exciting, but to people who work trade jobs and people who like to go camping and fishing on the weekends, it's the most bought car. So yeah, it's right. A big, big deal. Yeah, and it's interesting. During the week, I, I uh, had the pleasure of having a chat to the boss of Toyota Australia's sales and marketing team, yep. and he uh, said that you know the supply of this one might not be quite as good as Toyota wants it to be. Why is that? Just 
massive global demand. They can't make enough. Mm. So we're looking at a situation now where there's amazing new Hiluxes around the corner, Mm. you know, and I've seen the leaked pictures. They're all out there. Mm. Uh, It looks really good. It looks like a massive step up on the current car, as it has to be, by the way. Um, and yeah, they're not going to get their hands on as many as they want. Which is going to be a bit, uh, that's going to be really interesting. Because, I'm sure Ford's happy to hear it. Well, this is the thing, because in a couple of months, we're going to see the refreshed midlife update for the Ranger, which is a terrific ute. I think it's one of the best and out it's there. It's really interesting because these are cars coming, they're coming with some really high end features now. It's not, yeah. you know, the days of utes being, you know, um, you know, short of passenger cars in mm. terms of safety are over. Mm. You know, it's not just the fact they're getting airbags and five-star round caps, no. but it's active safety technologies that yeah. five years ago were the province of high-end luxury cars that mm. are now filtering down to utes. Which know. is great. And it's, you know, you know, all, all these features are basically a response to the fact that people are buying dual-cab utes not just for work vehicles, but yeah. they're almost family cars. You know, on the during the week, you shuttle your tradie mates around, yep. you do your job, and on the weekends, you put the child seats in the back and mm. go out on a family adventure. Those cars are becoming family cars. My brother just had his third child. They got a Triton. Yeah. That's the family car. So yeah. utes are changing. They're not what they were. Mm. And uh, companies like Toyota are getting on the ball and, and mm. responding to that. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the company conjures. And I'll tell you what, next year is going to be fascinating to watch for nerds like us who like the sales <laughs> data because we've got Hilux coming. That Ranger on the way, and uh, the Mitsubishi Triton just launched its new generation version, and the Navara is launching next month, I think, as well. Yeah. The new Navara, which looks great, so it happens. Exciting, waves, you know, like all all car makers develop new models, yeah. and then they run for between seven and ten years, and then another new one lo- launches, and often they coincide. Yeah, we've seen it with mid-sized cars recently, and now we're seeing it with Utes. It's funny because it's the four biggest as well, though. It's absolutely the, yeah. spoiled for choice if you're a tradie at the totally. moment. Once the new Hilux launches around September, October, then yep. you know there's going to be a bigger range of brand new to the market yeah. utes and all quite high tech all five star and cap safety i mean yeah. i would suggest the hilux would do that considering mm. the current one is as well yeah. um all of them massive advances on what we once thought was a ute even five years ago mm. you know and i think um it's one of the most fascinating areas of the market that isn't being talked about that much yeah and if you are a tradie out there that needs help buying a car please contact, contact him Bender. yeah exactly <laughs> um now, speaking of Toyota, we, uh, we seem to be talking about Toyota quite coincidentally today, I assure you. Uh, but obviously, the big story for them this week is the new Camry that you keep laughing about, Mike. Um, now, it, it is a big launch. It's big also for Australia because this is the final Camry or the final Toyota ever to be built in this country, which is a little bit sad. Look, this, this, this relaunched Camry during the week is a big deal for a lot of reasons. Um, it arrives about three and a half years after the new Camry was last mm. launched and generally car makers don't launch a new model you know ever more often than say six or seven years apart mm. so to introduce a car that looks completely different and doesn't share any panels except for the roof only three and a half years after its predecessor is almost unheard of mm. and the reason to has done this is because it suddenly realized that around the world there are so many amazing mid-sized sedans on sale and if the Camry wants to survive and thrive like it has been it can't just rely on the fact that it's reliable anymore Mm. Um, so they've decided to sex it up they've sexed up the Camry to a degree now let's not get carried away (laughs) it's no Lamborghini Countach but It's a lot better looking than the current, the, the current or slash outgoing one was. Mm. Like I said, it shares only the roof panel with the previous car. It's the same underneath. It's ostensibly the same inside. Yeah. So it is, you know, still a midlife update in most ways. But the other area where Toyota has been quite aggressive is uh, sharpening its pencil. So it's 
dramatically slash the pricing by up to $5,000. The entry one's now $27,000 or about 29 drive away. Mm. It's a hell of a lot of car for the money. Yeah. And it's four to five grand cheaper than, say, a Mazda 6. So you're really seeing uh, Toyota getting extremely aggressive. And the reason why it's ultimately doing this in Australia is because, as you said, they make the camera here. They'll mm. continue to make the camera here until the end of 2017. And they will be, along with Holden, the final manufacturing presence in Australia to close. Mm. Um, but between now and then, they have to make a certain amount to stay open, factory yeah. scale. You know, you, you have to churn out a certain amount of cars to stay viable, to stay in business. And the only way they're going to make enough to justify that is to mm. make it so affordable yeah. and so decent to look at that people are still going to flock to it. Yeah. Because for a long time, the only people that bought Camrys were fleets or taxis or, or anything like that. But that's not enough anymore. No. You have to go after you know, individual people mm. as well. And the only way to do that is to make it vaguely interesting. Yeah. So it's all kind of tied into each other. But, you know, the fact that this is, um, you know, Toyota is going to make about 230,000 of these between now and the end of its factory Good life. God. It's going to export about three quarters of those to Thailand, to the UAE, all around the world. It's a story that hasn't been told that yeah. much, you know. Holden and Ford barely export anything that they mm. make here. Toyota exports the vast majority of what it makes here. Yeah. And they're all Camrys. They're all world class. And, you know, yes, the Camry has a bit of a dull reputation, but it is kind of something to be proud of that we've made this incredibly reliable, Absolutely. you know, affordable, spacious car that gets sent all around the world. And, mm. you know, now it actually looks kind of semi-decent, <laughs> which is That's a big step up. A bit of praise there, Mike. Bit Look, of praise. the reality about the Camry <clears throat> is, uh, so yes, it looks better in your driveway. The, the, I guess the, the most important thing Toyota did um, in terms of underneath the skin on this car yeah. was the local development team, the local engineering team, which has 200 staff and is yep. quite sizable and helps develop Toyotas all around the world and is based right here in Melbourne, um, made a sporty version. Now, let's slow down I'm and, sorry. And, and just calm down. It's not... not uh, a sporty, they're sporty and they're sporty, right? Yeah. So it has the same engine, the little 2.5 litre four pot, but they have, you know, put different dampers on it, different springs on uh, it. They've put a faster steering rack in it and okay. all these things are designed to make a Camry that actually corners. And you know, it kind of does. Really? It's let down by its engine a little yeah. bit, let down by the transmission a little bit, a little bit slurry, a little bit uh, dopey yeah. and hesitant to kick down going into a corner right. more than you'd want it to. But the way that the body can, you know, it's got good body control, good handling, things that you would not normally associate with a Camry at all. Um, it doesn't mm. quite stack up to something like a Mazda 6 dynamically. It doesn't feel quite as premium inside, mm. but it's spacious. It's really, really cheap compared to its rivals yeah. and it's the homemade product if you're a little bit patriotic you've got to get behind that so you know um, for once in my life I experienced a day behind the wheel of a Camry and didn't fall asleep <laughs> mm. well that's good but look with that sporty version I think it's called the SX is that right which it sounds sexy <laughs> in itself I know right mm -hmm. but do you think that's a bit of a missed opportunity there if they've done that great work under the skin but they haven't touched that engine don't you think they maybe chuck a turbo in there or tweak that engine somehow and that could have been a real little it's performance all variant it's all cost you know the, the company uh, it was amazing you know just to you know recalibrate the factory for three more years mm. to make this car because it looks so different, cost them $108 million. Yeah, right. There was about $25 million government dollars in that. Yep. The rest is all Toyota's money. Mm. So Toyota showed out about $80 million bucks just to develop a car in a market that it's not going to develop cars in anymore no. or make cars in anymore. Mm. That's a massive spend, and kudos to Toyota for doing that. Yeah. You know, for keeping jobs here for three more years than it really necessarily perhaps would have wanted to. Yeah. Um, and the, the notion of spending even more to whack a turbo onto it, 
as maybe a bit too great much. as it would be. But you know, it does get me thinking: how good would a would a turbocharged performance Camry be as like a oh, unobtrusive sleeper? The thing, yeah, totally. You that's to, you, you uh, rock and, up to the lights in your Camry yeah. and then just blow AMGs away. Well, There's a certain kind of attraction to that. Do it, Toyota, and and. <clears throat> Particularly with this market, who love that kind of you know off the line performance, I think that's a bit of a missed opportunity there. I think they you, and maybe maybe next generation they might look at something like that. Potentially, I mean um, the, the real uh, understated hero here, yeah. which doesn't get the local suspension mm. tuning, unfortunately, is the hybrid Camry, which again is made oh. in Australia and it's the most high tech car we make here by a country mile. Yeah, um, petrol electric hybrid goes really really well. Yeah. It's got the electric motor that kicks in, helps out the petrol engine, gives it plenty of low down torque, a decent CVT, which is incredibly rare. Yeah. CVT transmissions are normally pretty awful. It's a smooth car. It doesn't feel like the clutch is slipping. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really unheralded car once again. And, you know, I really have to applaud Toyota for spending the money that they've spent Mm. for a a, a lost cause, essentially. We already know that it's closing, and yet it's spent the money anyway Mm. to make this Camry look better. Um, Toyota itself admitted to me when, when I spoke to them this week that, you know, they were under pressure from mm. within uh, at one point from their Japanese head office to just keep churning out the old one because why right. spend $100 million to retool the factory yeah, when you're okay. going to close? And Toyota had to fight tooth and nail to get it, and it did, and I congratulate them for doing so. It was interesting because mm. I went to that... This, there was a line-off ceremony that they had at their factory a few weeks back that I went to, and there's real... Um, all of the, the manufacturing staff were there at this. It was like a media event um, showing the new Camry, the Australian-built version, and you could really feel the passion with the people there. They were all there. They were all taking photos. They really, they, they're really passionate about what they do in that factory. And it is quite sad that obviously they're closing. But I imagine with this, the media launch in particular, um, last year I did the, the final Falcon launch and there was real nostalgia there because it was the last ever Falcon. You know, there's a bit of emotion. The staff were emotional. It was all really interesting. I don't... The Camry's not doesn't have that kind of emotional attachment that you have with the Commodore or the Falcon, does and it? And it's incredibly sad that that's the case because the Camry is way more important yeah. than either of those two. Mm. Toyota make more Camrys than either of those two by a long, long, yeah. long, 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 long way. And they're the only one that exports en masse. Mm. So Toyota's by far the sig- most significant player of any of the three local manufacturers. Yeah. Ford and Holden hog the limelight, and including from, you know, just journos like us, mm. really, let's be honest about it. But the Toyota's more important. And... Yeah. You know, to see, um, the, I think, the, the relatively classy way they've handled a tough situation yeah. um, and a bad yeah. situation for everybody. Nobody yeah. wanted this. No. And I don't think Toyota Australia wanted no. this, but they weren't given the choice. No. And they could have handled it a whole lot worse. So. That's true. Well, there you go. That is the Toyota Camry review, guys. I need to towel myself down, quite <laughs> frankly. So. Don't worry. It still looks good with a crocheted rug and a bowls hat on the parcel shelf. Don't That's, stress too much. You have to, you have, to have We're that. We're not too. going wild here. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we've got lots more coming up around the corner, so make sure you stick around. This is Fender Bender. Mm, there is uh, no autumn time sadness in this studio. Oh, that was bad. I'm really sorry, Mike. I tried to connect the song to us. Look, you know, some segues work better than others, right? <laughs> hey? Thank you for the encouragement. <laughs> um, now, we've been talking about Toyota a little bit today, but uh, some not-so-great news during the week. Uh, well, yeah, well, it's not great news, let's be honest. Yeah, Toyota was affected, Nissan was affected, Honda will probably be affected, just hasn't confirmed how badly or or so yet but Mm. um, some of you may recall us talking in the past about the Takata airbag recall worldwide just to give you a bit of background Takata makes about 20% of the world's airbags Mm. it's a Japanese company uh, and it discovered that its airbags were prone to a problem in other uh, more specifically the injector 
the bit that mm. propels the gas to expand the airbag, um, is prone to breaking. And if it breaks, it can cause shrapnel to go everywhere. And obviously, an airbag deploying with shrapnel can potentially be a lethal weapon. Not amazing. It's thought that about seven people worldwide might have actually been killed by rogue airbags so far. They don't deploy themselves. It's only if you crash and the airbag mm. deploys as it should that the problem can kick in. Right. Um, it's hitting cars in Australia. And look, it's not the fault of the car makers because it's made by a third party and is just sold to the car makers. Mm. So you can't really blame Toyota and Nissan and Honda and any any other company affected for this. It's not their doing. Mm. Um, but it does show the fact that when you're a company that makes millions and millions and millions of things, if there's even a tiny problem, it can cause massive issues. Toyota recalled 181,000 cars this week. Nissan, a few less, but still over 100,000 of its own. In Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are cars built between about 03 and 07, round there. Oh um, so they're going back a while, and it gets increasingly hard to track cars like that. And if you're an owner of one of those cars, you will be contacted. Yep. Um, the big issue here, though, uh, for Toyota anyway, maybe not for Nissan, but for Toyota is sourcing replacement parts out of Takata is difficult because Takata has to make millions and millions and millions of these replacement God. components mm. and it takes a long time to do that yeah. and so the, the replacement bits for Australia aren't going to get here in prob- probably until the beginning of 2016 which means if you're driving around in an affected vehicle mm. with a potentially suspect airbag, you're going to have to drive around with that for another six, seven months before you can get it fixed, it's not which ideal. is incredibly concerning and yeah. it causes you to, to have to think if I was driving around in, a, in say a Corolla that was affected from that period yeah. Again, not the fault of Toyota, but if I was driving around in a car like that, would mm. I want to drive a car with a potentially dodgy airbag? No. I don't know if I would. No, that's the thing. And, you know, we've seen 30 million General Motors vehicles recalled last year. Mm. The Takata recall is now 31 million units. Yeah. Um, increasingly, because of the fact that car makers are sharing components and because they're, you know, using the same things across a wide number of vehicles mm. and even brands, we're seeing these enormous, enormous recalls. This is not the first and it will not be the last. No. And it's kind of the downside to, to what we've seen you know, trend-wise yeah. in the automotive world recently. A little bit controversial, but mm. it's good. At least, you know, at least they're kind of working out what's happening and, and trying to fix it rather than kind of sweeping it under the rug, which may have happened in the past. And if you're worried that you're affected and you drive yeah. a, a late model you know, Toyota or Nissan mm. vehicle from uh, the early 2000s to the mid-2000s, contact the mm. car maker, contact your dealer. They'll be able to give you all the information you need. That's not true. every vehicle is affected. And uh, don't be angry at your car maker. It's not necessarily their fault on this occasion. But no. anyway... Yeah, Look into it. it's a positive. Mm. That's true. Mike, we've got to go. We've got to go off air because oh, the guys no. from Technogaze are coming up very, very soon and they are they are settling in. They're getting ready uh, and you should all stick around and listen to them. So thank you, Mike Costello. Always a pleasure. Um, we will be back next week on air on Joy 94.9. If you would like to find our podcast, go to joy.org.au. My name is Tim Nicholson signing off for another week. Safe driving. This has been a Fender Bender podcast for Joy 94.9, Australia's first and only gay and lesbian radio station. See joy.org.au for more details. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.